Hello friends, I'm Stephen and this is the Vookcast, Australia's Nintendo podcast. On this episode, singing to save the world in Wonder Song, social problems of tomorrow today in 2064 read-only memories, and we'll find out whether the latest Mario Party is as super as the name implies. But first, let me introduce you to to, to two of my dear friends, starting with old mate Chris. How are you going? (laughs) Yeah, pretty well. I'm just chilling out here. How about yourself? I am angry at my internet provider slash the general uh, state of the internet in my area slash country. Um, but you know, we've, we've talked about that a little yep. well before. Sign recording. me up. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's my mood. Um, but as well as Chris, we've got my long distance mate, Josh, what's up over in your neck of the woods. Hey, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Cool. Well, I think since, I don't know, you may have noticed it's been a while. I'm not very good at having regular episodes. It? Yeah. It, it's been a little bit that way. So I've made the executive decision to, Do a little bit of an experiment, and instead of focusing on news, because, you know, we're not exactly daily or weekly or fortnightly or, you know, regular at all, we should talk about the games that we've been, you know, deeply getting into and reviewing and just sort of have a couple of little deep dives on interesting games. So I thought we should start with, I saw Chris, you had written a review for 2064, Read Only Memories, and I'm, I've heard such good things about it, but I don't really know almost anything about this game so um yeah fill us in what's what's the deal with this one yeah it's it's an interesting one and uh so essentially it's a bit of a point and click adventure um visual novel sort of thing with a, a bit of a pixel art style uh set in the year 2064 uh in a sort of not too distant cyber funk uh, cyber funk <laughs> oh man <laughs> well, i want that uh, game i suppose Woo-hoo. yeah yeah sign me up maybe that's a, a bit of a, a mix between 2064 and the world ends with you that bum, can be a cyber bum, funk bum. game but <laughs> be um, so game for that <laughs> yeah <laughs> But, um, yeah, cyberpunk is what I was going for. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a bit of a bit of a Blade Runner uh, type scenario where, you know, androids are pretty commonplace and they're, they're fully integrated in society and that sort of thing. And it's a, a game where you play as a sort of down on your luck, a bit of a broke journalist and they... Uh, their life gets turned upside down when they meet this android by the name of Turing. And the the unique thing about Turing is that they are what they refer to themselves as a sapient being in terms of, unlike other androids, which are programmed and coded to follow a strict set of routines, Turing actually has the ability to self-modify its own code. So like humans, oh. it can learn and adapt and sort of self-postulate and all that sort of stuff so it's actually pretty well a human just made of you know tins and bolts and that sort of stuff that's really yeah, interesting it's, i kind of um, like that whole sapient name that's 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 really really neat neat thought yeah it uh, it really delves uh, quite heavily into like themes of identity in terms of what it means to be human what separates humans from androids and that sort of thing and there's a, a whole lot of cool like corporate espionage and conspiracies that goes on that sort of affects the um uh, the setting of Neo Francis Neo San Francisco. My pronunciation is all over the place this evening. <laughs> so Neo Neo San Fran. Um, that uh, if sort of these conspiracies or what's going on with these big corporations, if what uh, happens that they're trying to do comes to light, then it could change the very future of how androids uh, interact with society for better or worse. 
and uh, how that actually plays out is up to you as the player. So there's a bit of player choice and different endings involved, which is all good fun in the world of visual novels. Yeah, I was kind of wondering if it would do anything like that. I sort of looked at the... I have only managed to skim over reviews and stuff, but I was... Yeah, not really sure if it would just be, you know, playing along with a story and sort of completing puzzles as you go. Or So it sounds like you actually have some agency and some, I guess, influence in how, how events and the overall story turn out. Yeah, you, you certainly do. And it's, yeah, a lot of it's via dialogue. Uh, so you, you'll meet quite a, a diverse range of characters, um, diverse in terms of, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different identity representations and people with uh, mechanical augmentations and that sort of stuff. So it's a real, really does uh, double down on the the cyberpunk type setting. But yeah, depending on your dialogue options with various characters and with Turing and that sort of stuff, it does impact how the game plays out uh, in the future, sort of thing. And while I I only really played through to the one ending, and I was content that I had. You know my feel of the game. I did, um, you know, do a bit of fact checking and, and cross checking that. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of different endings based on how you treat the the various main characters and that sort of thing. Oh, that's okay. cool. So you felt like your choices were actually accurately reflected in the story, then? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It, it looks like without spoiling uh, anything, it's there's. Um, I suppose it, it's it's difficult to say, but. I think it boils down to whether you side with particular characters uh, who represent different ideals and have different uh, sort of viewpoints. Uh, for, for example, two of the, the biggest clashing factors in 2064 read-only memories is that there's this activist group which is against human augmentation because they're, they're all about you know the purity of mankind and, and all that sort of stuff. But then there are those who are saying, well, hang on, we can actually make significant medical advancements with augmentation, that sort of stuff. So there are, there are parts where you can choose to side with either of those groups and uh, depending on that, that will impact who will help you uh, quite deep in the story when things start to, yeah, things start to get quite out of hand late in the game. So, okay. yeah, yeah, there's there's definite uh, reflection of the choices you make. I'm kind of curious with regards to those choices of, I don't know, when I hear of player choice in games, it always, well, not always, but a lot of the time, sometimes it'll be just a binary choice, the the good one, mm. the bad one there. Did you feel that there was any sort of nuance to the choices that you needed to make? Any that you sort of had to sit back and really think about like gosh which which way do i go with this sort of pivotal decision yeah i mean to to be perfectly honest it, it did feel a little bit binary which i i understand you know it's it's not like a, a massive uh massive game in terms of scale or production size so you know there are limitations as to to how much they can put in the game mm. but i i did find it a little bit ironic that a lot of the decisions did feel a bit binary considering it is a game about identity and a lot of people um a lot of non-binary people and that sort of stuff uh which yeah i i found that a little bit jarring uh because yeah you sort of feel like uh, you know how it's representing all these uh, diverse uh, groups and all these people with um, different identities and um, and that sort of thing. You sort of feel like you'd like the choices to have the same sort of um, you know nuances or you know shades of grey and that sort of stuff. It it didn't, but I I didn't feel like that was a massive negative. In fact, okay. um, the the only the only real major negative that I found with the game 
and I I put this in my review as well, is that, uh, and it's an easy trap to fall into with visual novels and point-and-click adventures where you've only got limited visuals and your only real way of communicating is via text. Um, the the story does do a fair bit of telling as opposed to showing, uh, ah, okay. so there's 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 some there's some heavy exposition and, and that sort of thing which you sort of think oh you know could you have shown this or perhaps uh, presented or displayed this in a more interesting way than just oh by the way this thing happened blah 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 um, which yeah it's it's not the worst case I've seen in text based games in fact um, probably the one I was most disappointed with that did that was. Uh, the the spiritual successor to Hotel Dusk last year. Ah, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember exactly oh. what it was called, but uh, that one did a a pretty ordinary job of telling and not showing. Uh, that was that was pretty on the nose. Whereas twenty sixty four, the writing is is pretty good for the most part. Okay. Um. Did you feel like it sort of? I don't know. How, how long is it to start with? And did you feel like it was fairly engaging the whole way through? It's sort of. I, I want to play it based on how you're describing, I guess, the general premise of it, but mm. how long it is and whether it's, you know, going to grace on me after a while is probably a big, big factor in whether I'm going to actually bother playing it. Um, What did you think? Yeah, lengthwise and, you know, how it's, whether it outstays its welcome. Yeah, it's, um, as you were asking that, I was I was just racking my brain trying to think, how, how long did I spend with it? it? It might be one to have a quick double check of how long to beat um, or whatever that website's called. HLTV, um, good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head how many hours I sunk into it, but I, I felt like as far as the pacing was concerned, it wasn't, it wasn't too rushed, it wasn't too brief. Um, and I, I felt like it was pretty pretty engaging throughout its entirety. I didn't feel yeah. like there was unnecessary bloat as such. It was yeah a, a decent um, yeah decent sort of mid length as far as indie games are concerned. I'd say okay, that's pretty positive. Um, well, mm. uh, did you happen to have any other questions, Josh, before we move on to to the next uh, order of business? No, that sounds pretty comprehensive. <laughs> cool, cool. I think I have a feeling this was on PS Plus last month, so I probably already have this. I have no excuse not to have already given it a look, but yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, kind of curious to try it based on how you've described it. But one that I honestly, like I'd heard of 2064, but the next one coming up, I'd never even, I don't know, literally you bringing it up, Christian, you know, when we were discussing what we might talk about this episode, I it was the first time I'd heard of this game ever existing, called hmm. Wonder Song, and it, it's a, I don't know, a game of, you know, you're a hero who saves the world by singing and interacts with the world by singing. It's, it sounds like a lot of singing. Um, Yeah, what, what's Wonder Song? It's, it sounds kind of delightful based on, you know, what uh, preview I've been able to have a look at your writing on it so far. Well, that's that's pretty accurate. There is a lot of singing, and yes, it is utterly delightful. And I was I was in a pretty similar boat. I had not heard of Wonder Song until right before it was released a week or two ago, um, and it's released simultaneously on on PC and Nintendo Switch. Um, and apparently, it was a, a former Kickstarter success back in 2016. Oh, okay. Um, I think it I think it raised about 30 grand or something to to finish off the the last sort of bits and pieces that needed doing but essentially it's a a 2D platformer puzzler adventure and you play as this this bard so your your typical think your typical sort of 
D and D sort of medieval bard with his little feather cap and his. Um, well, this one doesn't carry around a lute, but you know, think of that sort of visual when this is sort of the bard that you're thinking of. And okay. he he just he just sings every, every time he get he he sings, and that's that forms the the main way that you interact with this game's world is that uh, by using the right stick. You control this this circular radial uh, sort of wheel thing that corresponds with a different musical note, and it's also it also corresponds with a, a different color. So you can run around in this little world, you know, just madly thrashing the uh, the right stick in any direction, and it will just sing in a way that no human should physically be able to sing without <laughs> blowing out their larynx or whatever. Um, but um, it's yeah, it's a delightful game because it, it finds so many ways of using this what is quite a basic sing, singing technique, and it finds so many unique ways of puzzles and problem solving and interacting with this world and its characters. Yeah, just by using this rather novel, non-violent concept, which is quite refreshing uh, in the the video games world to you know try and solve conflict without resorting to, you know, stabbing someone in the neck with something sharp. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of curious how, like, the singing mechanic works. I read a little bit and it sounded like, you know, a lot of the, the puzzle-solving elements were solved through song, but mm. I guess without giving too much away, because you wouldn't want to ruin it for anyone, but how how does one sing to solve a puzzle? Is there, like, an early example you can think of that might sort of give us an idea of how this functionally kind of works? Yeah, there's there's a couple of um, there's a couple of pretty early on uh, basic ones that I, I could give that you know give a little bit of a snapshot of some of the different things you can do. Um, very very early on, you you come across uh, you know typical two D platformer style. You come across a ledge that's too tall for you to actually jump and uh, progress over this ledge and further into this area. But along the way, there's this little bird that's just sort of flapping about and it's singing a tune. And the notes sound familiar to to the point that oh hang on those are notes that I can actually sing, and it it's also reflected in um, there's these little uh, visual visual audio cues if that makes sense where okay. sort of uh, as it sings there's these little colours that emanate from the bird that correspond with the colours on your singing wheel, um, so that that's one one thing Wonder Song is very good at is that. You know, it's it's very audio, it's very musical, but it's also very accessible in that it not only just relies on you know audio. There's also visual cues. It's also uh, you know colorblind friendly as well. It's all sort of directional based as well. But um, yeah, by matching this bird's singing pattern, uh, this bird uh, will you know you can temporarily recruit this bird, and it will give you a a, a little bit of a boost to jump up up and over this ledge so you can then proceed okay. and that's just a very very early example a very early basic example that the game sort of teaches you oh here's some of the things that you can do with singing or you know if you see cues like this in the world you can interact with it by singing to it at it with it whatever mm. um and then another example later on is that there are times in the the game where instead of you know, a traditional combat scenario, early on you encounter some ghosts that have terrorised a, a village and they're absolutely petrified. But then you notice that the ghosts are trying to communicate and it happens that the vibrations that they're using to communicate 
correspond, would you guess, with notes that the uh, the bard can sing? Huh, so that. it actually turns yeah, so it actually turns into a um, a little bit of a, a rhythm based mini game where you have to sort of match the the notes as they appear on the screen, sort of thing. Um, but again, those are those are relatively basic uh, examples. But what really uh, what really surprised me about Wonder Song is that the further you go into this game, and it's about about twelve hours I spent with it, which for the okay. type of game it is, it felt really beefy in in a good way. And um, the further I went in, the more diverse and the more complex these puzzles and encounters become. And I was thinking. How on earth did they think to do that with just this basic mechanic? It was it was absolutely astounding. I I was blown away by how often this game kept on surprising me. I I was reading through your review, and one of the um the biggest thing that stood out to me is it sounds like I guess it's a song all about music, so that a game all about music, so this shouldn't really mm. be a surprise. But it's got the same artist who did the music as who did the music for rogue legacy and full metal fury so i know you have had very positive things to say about that oh yes so yes, indeed is that as good as i am imagining it to be yeah it, it's it's really interesting so the the artist uh goes by the uh, the name of a shell in the pit uh so as you said they compose the music for rogue legacy full metal furies uh, a couple of my favorite indie games of all time and yeah, there is a lot of music in Wonder Song, and you think um, about uh, you know the fact that it's a, it's a twelve-hour uh, adventure with new areas, new characters, pretty well every step of the way. So you've got to compose music for all those different areas. There's so much music, and it's so diverse. Like when it started off, it was you know pretty pretty peaceful, you know like forest sort of music. So a couple of a uh, couple of guitars and some pretty light percussion and that sort of stuff and I thought oh this this is rather pleasant but usually you know I'm used to some more intricate stuff from this artist but then the further you progress you think whoa whoa I didn't expect to hear this genre here I didn't expect to you know hear a sea shanty here or <laughs> gee that was that was quite an epic you know choir arrangement there geez there was there was all sorts of stuff it was incredible um huh. okay yeah it it really reflects sort of how how deep and how colourful the the Wonder Song's world and its characters are. It's just it is the whole package as far as indie games are concerned. Cool. Yeah, I was just looking at the Steam page and it's got the soundtrack split up into like three volumes. <laughs> so I'm mm. guessing it's pretty big. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite big. And yeah, it's there's some uh, there's some pretty catchy tunes in there. Nice. Well, I think we might take that as an opportunity to move on to our final game of the of our discussion this evening. Um, and it's one that I'm selfishly, I haven't played it, but I selfishly want to know what you both have got to say about it. Because I know you've both uh, both written, you know, lengthy reviews about them. And I really want to know if I should get Super Mario Party. I, I want to like it. I, I hope it's really good, but I need you to tell me if it's good, please. Um, since you haven't talked quite as much, uh, <laughs> let me know yeah, a little bit of what you thought about Super Mario Party, please, Josh. <laughs> yeah, like I've played it and um, wanting to like it is kind of <laughs> how I feel about it as well. Oh, okay. Uh, um, care to elaborate? It's a, <laughs> oh, it's a really weird one because like, it does so many things well, but at the same time, I don't know, there's just something kind of hollow about it. And um, I was talking with Brad, who also reviewed the game, um, and yeah, his review was kind of similar to mine. And I thought, okay, yeah, this is this is obviously going to be the consensus, I guess. 
but the reviews came out and they were really positive. Yeah, like unanimously really positive except for Brad's. I felt like I was missing something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's it brings back the board game mechanics that uh, were kind of present in the last few, but they got neutered a bit by making everyone share the same playing space on this board. And yeah, there was this kind of weird co-op competitive kind of hybrid mess and no one really liked it that much um so they go back to more traditional you play by yourself you move around the board collect items play mini games with or against each other try to get the most stars and that kind of thing but uh the boards i found were really dull they're they're not all that varied in terms of appearance uh they don't have really exciting gimmicks like some of the other ones had and they're really cramped, so okay. you can move around them really quickly. You can sometimes, if you get a good enough roll, you can get like multiple stars within a turn because there's not much room for the stars to move. Interesting. And they're really lacking in menace. Is I guess the best way to describe it. Like if you remember in some of the old ones, you could land on like a Bowser space and he'd take away half your stars and give them to other people or. You'd hit a trap that would totally mess up the board and you'd end up fighting with each other because someone would steal your item and that would put you out of the running. Bowser's all about wealth redistribution. It's nice. (laughs) (laughs) But um, in this one, you can just keep getting more coins. The items are really easy to get. The stars are cheaper and you pretty much never trigger any hazards or anything. So it's kind of just a breezy participation award game <laughs> where you're just constantly getting stuff and you're a millennial you should like that stuff yeah millennial party yeah <laughs> so um that's and that's the main mode so it's kind of not great when that doesn't give off the best impression but one thing i will give it credit for is that there's a whole heap of other modes and they put some unique mechanics into things so there's another board game mode but in this one the four players are pit into two teams, so you've got a partner. Okay, that's like partner coordin- party or something I was reading about? Yeah, yeah, partner party, yeah. Um, and so this plays a bit more like Star Rush from the 3DS, if you played that, where uh, the boards... Nope. Okay, <laughs> I think that's a consensus there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so in this one, instead of the boards being like linear paths that you go through, uh, the boards are grids instead. And so, whatever you roll, you've got to move that exact number of steps. And your roll gets added with your partner's roll. And if you've recruited any other characters along the way, those numbers get added in as well. Okay. So, you've got to try and coordinate with the other person to get enough, uh, like, the exact number of spaces you need to be able to get on sort of a star or to pick up an item and that kind of thing. Are there any sort and, of, like, special dice or something? You're not, like, trying to coordinate a random dice roll as some, no, some yeah, way of actually so, influencing it, I'm assuming? Yeah, so uh, each character has their own dice, which has um, different numbers on the faces. Um, sometimes the faces won't even have numbers in all of them. It might have uh, the opportunity to get coins instead of numbers. Okay. Uh, some of them will be really weird, like, all the faces will be a 1, except for the last one, which is a 10. And so you can check what all these are before you start playing and you can kind of strategize with your partner. So you might want to roll the same number a lot to get some bonus coins because um, if you both roll the same number, you get some extra coins. Okay. So you you might want to pick characters whose dice are really similar to do that kind of thing. Um, 
And what's interesting about the partner party boards is that they've actually got more going on than the main ones. Okay, <laughs> so interesting. It's, it's led to a lot of people on Reddit and that thinking that this was actually the main mode and they kind of shoehorned their original board in um, later on. I guess so, that kind of makes sense given the whole, like, the big complaint I've been hearing is that there's only four boards. I don't know if it's as big as a mm. problem as it sounds, but it's... I guess if if that theory had you know, held any water, then that's some evidence that might support that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the, I think the number of boards is an issue, especially when they're not that exciting to begin with. Um, like, you can play through them a couple of times and you've kind of seen everything that's there. But, um, yeah, they are a bit more varied in partner party. Like, um, okay. there's a few items you can pick up on the board which will let you uh, trigger some extra events. Like, uh, there's one that's set in an ancient ruin, and you can find keys scattered around the board and then take them into the middle to open a treasure chest, and there could be coins or a star in there, and I think there's a rare chance of being like a piranha plant or something that could take your coins away instead. Okay. Um, there's a mine where you can find a pickaxe, and then if you land on certain spots, you can use the pickaxe to mine for stars and that kind of thing. So it's a little more more interesting. You're a bit more involved in what's going on. Okay. Um, it's not just like kind of going around in circles, just getting everything as you go. There's a bit of coordination you've got to organize there. Interesting. Um, just kind of curious. Um, Chris, are your uh, thoughts lining up in this way? I I haven't um, yeah, haven't seen a. Actually, no, I didn't fully read your review, but I can't remember if you know. Did do you feel similarly, and you know, the issues with the board designs and, and stuff like that, or you, did you have a bit more of a positive experience? Well, I think. Um, well, firstly, I I actually haven't um, reviewed Mario Party, but I have oh. spent. A, oh, that's um, right. It was have... Brad. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 all good. Uh, I, I can speak on behalf of Brad. Just read, <laughs> read, read his review out live on the uh, the bookcast. I know you but, have um, it at very least. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, and I, I have played a bit of it um, with um, my girlfriend and um, and my brother, so I have spent a few hours with it, and yeah, like uh, like Josh uh, has mentioned, and like Brad mentioned in the review, those those initial boards or th- those boards um, that are built as sort of the core experience, they are a bit flat, a bit bland, and not all that exciting, but I. What what I really enjoy about Super Mario Party is that it's probably the most polished Mario Party experience that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, they've they've done a really nice job with the the visuals and the audio uh, to the point where I I think I hear um, uh, it's referred over in um, like Blizzard games like Hearthstone and Overwatch and that sort of stuff having that real juicy interface that it feels good juicy when you achieve interface. something. Juicy interface, wow. Yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, it's, um, like it feels really satisfying when you do something. Okay. Um, and I, I get that same feeling from Super Mario Party, and maybe that's just because I'm a sucker for pretty things. <laughs> um, but um, I I think that the, the minigames are quite strong. I I have enjoyed the overwhelming majority of minigames. Um, they, they all feel quite unique and... Uh, most of them feel like they, you know, have uh, at both times, you know, they feel like they've got a decent skill ceiling while also having a relatively level playing field for players of all skill levels as well. So I feel like they've done a really good job with the mini games. And some of those other game modes are pretty cool as well. Um, like there's a bit of a, I think it's Toad's Rec Room. There's a, a couple of just little side games which are, 
you know, uh, aren't, aren't too bad for a bit of throwaway fun as well. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you brought that up. That was uh, something mm. I was hoping to, yeah, to jump into. So, yeah, what mm. what is the deal with Toad's Rec Room? Like, is that, I saw there were some games where you can sort of connect switches together. Like, <laughs> what, what's going on here? Yeah, uh, I mean, the the one I spent the most time with was just playing a little bit of the, the baseball one because my brother and I are desperately craving the next Mario baseball game, <laughs> considering how much we played the GameCube one and the Wii one never came to Australia. But we're not bitter at all. Yeah, gosh, it's but, been a while um, if you've been hanging out for that, hasn't it? <laughs> little bit, but um, yeah, Josh, I might, I might let you jump in, considering, yeah, you did the review. I think you've probably spent a bit more time with this mode than I might have, maybe. Uh, probably about the same, I think. <laughs> I, yeah. I gave him all of uh, a bit of a try, but I didn't get to do the switch connecting stuff. I yeah. don't know if you got to do that. Nah, no, nah, I haven't. It sounds a little bit sort of limiting as to how like you both you need two systems with two copies of the game to be able to do that. So it'll be real difficult to do in well, a especially yeah. in a review so sort you of can period. Play them without uh, the connected switches. There is one that requires that requires it. Ah, okay. Um, but. Yeah, so it kind of changes the games depending on whether you've got the switches connected or not. Okay. So with the baseball one, um, if you don't have the two switches connected, you kind of stand either side of the console. So you've got one person on the batting side, one person on the pitching side. And so it allows you to focus on just your part of the game and um, sort of strategize around that. But if you connect the switches, I think each player gets their own switch and you're able to like... Um, so the pitcher stands on one switch and you can position the console so that the other person can't see it so they don't know what ball is coming until you throw it okay that... um and the one that sounds really cool that i want to try out is the one that we saw in the trailers but it's the tank shooting one. Oh mm. yes um, yeah i've so, seen that one <laughs> yeah once you connect the switches together um it expands the playing field and they're joined by the points where this the console is joined so you can like ricochet shots off one console and have it fling into the other one and get someone by surprise. That sounds like and magic, can... I swear. Yeah, I know. It sounds so cool. <laughs> and the game was actually pretty fun to play on the single Switch because um, it's got that ricochet mechanic. So you're able to get some really cool trick shots in and uh, catch don't know people if any... when they're unarmed. I don't know if either of you remember this, but it sounds kind of like that tank mini game from We Play, like that thing yeah. everyone bought for the free Wii remote. <laughs> like, if it's anything like that, that game was amazing. It's pretty similar, yeah. Okay, that's that's a little bit exciting to me. Um, well, I think we, yeah, to, to to cap off the Mario Party talk, I got to put both of you on the spot. Chris, what's your favorite mini game of all of the ones you played? Please describe it in great detail. Oh, in in Super uh, Oh yeah, Super in Super Mario Party. Yeah, yeah Super yeah, Mario yeah. Party. Um, yeah, because I, I could tell you my favourite from Mario Party Four. I love that game. But um, <laughs> no, Super Super Mario Party. Um, oh, goodness, there there are quite a lot of good ones, but um, I think just for sheer comedic value, the one where you're competing, uh, where you've got four players, it's uh, all against all, and you're competing to get to the front of uh, getting your photo taken. Oh no, that's my and- one. <laughs> oh no. Well, well, no, we've 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 further solidified the quality of the mini game that you have Apparently. to punch your uh, your friends in the face to get to the front of the photo. <laughs> it just looks hilarious with um, you know all these characters punching, and uh, especially the um, 
especially some of the uh, the unsaid connotations of Mario punching Peach in the face to try and get to the front of the photo <laughs> oh, no. is probably probably not a good message for the kids, but it looks hilarious. Yeah, and you get to see the photos as they're taken, and everyone has all these weird looks on their faces from where they've been shoved out of the way or <laughs> anything like that. It's good fun. <laughs> Dang, that sounds pretty decent. So what's your uh, second favourite then, Josh? <laughs> I'm doing a quick Google so I can try to remember what's in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, this one was really cool. Um, so you've got to use your Joy-Con for some motion controls on this one. Okay. But um, it, it's cooking a steak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so there's just this cube of steak on the frying pan and you can feel it sizzle away in the HD rumble on the remote. And you can feel when it's cooked just enough. And then you've got to like flip the frying pan over to make sure that every side gets cooked. But if, if you don't flick it at the right angle, it'll just go onto an already cooked side. And if you flip it too hard, it can go right out of the pan and you've got to start <laughs> from scratch again. So you're seeing huh. everyone kind of like flipping this meat around on the pan, <laughs> try to cook it. And everyone's freaking out because they can't get the angle just right to get that one bit of the meat that's not cooked. And then someone flings it out of the pan and they've got to start again and then they lose the game when they were right in the front. That sounds like great think, time. Honestly, both yeah, of those I, games I think, do. Josh, yeah, Josh, I think what you've touched on is that Super Mario Party actually does a really good job of using the Joy-Cons and there is actually, yeah. some, there is actually some genuinely good motion control stuff, uh, unlike what we're hearing from The World Ends With You. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that in a bit more detail later on. But yeah, no, that's that's kind of positive to hear. Like I, I don't know. I feel like Mario Party has often been an interesting way for them to experiment with the unique control methods. But if mm. they've if they've done it well in this one, because they've had iffy results in the past. But I don't know. It sounds like this is a you know pretty cool. Maybe it's the oh man, what was one two switch? It's sort of one two switch, but a full you know game that's not a weird expensive kind tech of. demo, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah, for the most part, the motion controls are done pretty well. Um, there was a few that I found it a bit iffy in, um, in one of the side modes, which is called Soundstage, I think. Mm. And so ah. in this one, uh, you've all the mini games are rhythmic. And as you get through, the pace picks up. And all the actions you've got to do in time with the music. So you might have to... Um, you might be in a marching band and you've got to raise and lower the Joy-Con when it tells mm. you to on command. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I found... Because um, you get rated based on how accurate your timing is. And I found that it was a little bit off and either triggering stuff a little off from when I triggered it, so I missed out on the points. Or it would kind of duplicate the motions a bit. Like in that marching band one... I was doing sort of like the big exaggerated motions it tells you to do. Yeah. And sometimes it would say I'm moving it when I'm not. And it was kind of a bit annoying in that regard. Interesting. But outside of that mode, yeah, I found the motion controls were totally fine. And it also uses the HD rumble in a few interesting ways as well. Yeah, yeah. you had me very interested when you, when you talked about you need to feel when the steak's done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, I actually really want to try that. How do I feel when a steak's done? I've, I've never touched it. <laughs> And what's really cool is um, when it's your turn in the board game, it plays music through the Joy-Cons yes. rumble. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, uh, any any closing remarks? Otherwise, I think we might finish things up. Yeah, it's something I'm just really conflicted on because, yeah, like we've, like, we obviously enjoyed the mini games because we've just been laughing about them now. Clearly, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. Something about the whole package is a bit off. The boards are definitely... Um, 
not up to the standard of some of the other ones. And I feel like there's so many modes that they weren't able to fill them with as many mini games as they need. Because some mm. of them you'd replay, like you'd play it, you have fun, you'd replay it, and you'd be given the exact same mini games because there's not enough within that category to actually uh, expand it. Like so, the water raft one? Oh, the water raft one is so frustrating. Like you've got to play that so many times in order to sort of finish the story, I guess, of the game. And there's only like 10 mini games or something, and you play more than 10 every round if you're doing well. So it's like you're going to be repeating within the same playthrough, let alone if you repeat it. Is it actually Dang, worth a bit iffy, uh, getting all of those gems in Super Mario Party? Is uh, it worth it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, any any other final thoughts, Chris, before we close everything up? Um, I'll probably only just to rub it in a little bit and say, uh, sorry, Stephen, but uh, Josh and I will just have to test it out more a couple of weeks' time in Melbourne. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Yes, I hope you all have a great fun time in Melbourne for PAX while I am here, not not there. I genuinely right I genuinely hope you have a good time. I hope that didn't sound sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's all right. No, we, we know you had your, your big uh, Euro trip earlier in the year, so... Hell yeah, I did. That was all good it's fun. Good stuff. Cool. Um, well, with that uh, incredibly relevant... Um, you know, talking about my holidays. I do that a lot. Um, yeah, we might bring the podcast to an end there. Uh, I've been Stephen. Uh, with me this week has been Josh. You can find him on Twitter at Mario underscore underscore Bones. Why are there two underscores, Josh? Uh, because I thought it'd just be good for a laugh. Hey? Oh, yeah, cool. Seems like a good reason. <laughs> uh, and you can find Chris at Bibby Boy. That's at B-I-B-B-Y-B-H-O-Y. Yes, am I correct? I hope. That's the one. Um, and yeah, with that, we'll bring it into the podcast. Hope you had a, a wonderful time listening. Check out the website, vooks.net. It's like books, but with a V. Uh, check us out on socials, vooks.net, V-O-O-K-S-D-O-T-N-E-T, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, other stuff. We're all over the place. MySpace. Um, I mean, probably did have a MySpace at one point, but who knows? But not Google Plus anymore. No, sorry. No. RIP Google Plus. <laughs> uh, gosh, I think we might have even had a Google Plus page at one point. Anyway, that's uh, that's well off topic. Uh, until next time, I hope you have a, a really good time with your life and everything goes well. Uh, see you around like a pizza. Bye. <laughs> 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 wow. You've you've got to keep that in, please. Um, this is uncut, uncensored. Yeah, everyone's getting the full full experience. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Bye. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs>